Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. Here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is where we're going to be today in a, title called, in a message called Becoming a Homeowner. I don't know how many of you are homeowners. Um, I don't know if you've uh, maybe uh, owned a home for a while, or maybe you've re- recently moved here and you're renting now and you once were a homeowner, but I remember the first time Jen and I bought our house. It was here in Clarksville, Tennessee, and uh, it was in Exit 1, and it was in a brand new development. And uh, what I loved about it is we were driving around trying to find a home. We were tired of our dumpy apartment that we were living in for four months, and we were like, we want a new place to live. And so we went, and we were scouting out a house, and we found this new development, and we were talking to our realtor, and then we went to the bank, and we applied for a loan, and uh, we were able to say, they told us, hey, you can afford this much house. And so we were excited about that. We went back to the new development. Our realtor said, well, you can choose out of these three houses. And I remember we walked around and we were like, well, do you like this? Do you like what's happening here? Do you like this layout? Do you like this floor plan? I don't know if I like this as much. Like we were pros in houses. Like we've, like we've been studying houses our whole life and this was the test. Like we were ready to go. And so we finally landed on the house that we wanted to purchase. And so we did it and it was, it was fantastic because we were the first ones to live in that house. And that house had the new house smell. It was fantastic. We loved it. And we had all these dreams and aspirations of what we wanted our house to look like, and we were like, you know what, the kitchen's cool, but you know what it could use? A little bit of a backsplash, so let's put that in, and we were like, hey, we we like carpet, but in the high-trafficked areas, that's only something we've heard. I don't even know if we truly know what that even means, but we were like, in our high-trafficked areas, we're going to put hardwood floors in because that's going to be great, and we're going to get rid of this brown, gross tan paint that they paint every house with, and we're going to paint it with the colors that we like, and we had all these dreams and aspirations of what we wanted our house to look like, but guess what? None of it ever happened. We got in and nothing happened. We got busy with our lives. We started having kids. And what we found out is that kids cost a lot of money and that they need a lot of resources. And so that means a lot of the stuff we wanted to do for the house, that got put on the back burner a little bit. We, we were able to, we, other things became important in our lives. And just like with anything, as things get older, our house got older, things started to break. It's just a fact of life. We get a little older, some things break in our bodies. Same thing goes for our house. Our house started to break. So our dreams of transforming our house into our home never happened. That is until we were ready to sell our house. We got with our realtor and we said, hey, we want to sell our house. We, we need to move. And we want to get out of the city a little bit. And so she told us what we needed to do. She gave us suge- some suggestions and some ideas of what we needed to do to improve the house. And so we did some of them. We put in that backsplash. We painted the house. We did some other things. And when we were all done, we kind of stood back for a minute and we were like, wow, this is really nice. We could probably live here for a couple more years. Like, why didn't we do this sooner? Like, what's going on? This house that we've been living in for five years, it took us one month to transform it. And you want to know something? We were sad to leave that house because we were sad because we didn't make that house our home any sooner. And the reality is that's true for a lot of people who've come to Awaken. They've come here and they're like, man, Awaken Church is my home church. I'm so sad that I didn't get involved sooner. I'm so sad that I didn't make this step of faith. I'm so sad I didn't get involved in this Awaken group or this ministry. They're like, it took me so long to make this house my home. And then they PCS or their job takes them somewhere else. And they're like, I can't find another church like Awaken Church. I'm so sad to leave it. I'm so sad that it took me so long to get involved at Awaken. And today I want to talk to you about how to avoid what others have fallen into by not making this house your home. 
Because listen, today we can get really excited about being in a new venue. We can get excited about seeing what God's going to do through salvations, baptisms, answered prayers. We can get so excited about how many people are going to fill this venue and how many people are going to come to know him. But listen, if you don't get involved, you're going to miss out on the blessing it is to being a homeowner. You're going to miss out on making God's house your home. And so in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul is kind of telling us how we can do that. And um, the meat of what we're going to get to is in verses 10 through 16. But I kind of want to lay the foundation a little bit to why he's making this point. Because Paul later on is going to tell us how to do it and what materials we need and how we should design it and all of that. But before we get there, I want us to get a little context. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1. Paul says this, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, But as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and being only in the human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and the other, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? These church people in Corinth, and and in these verses, Paul's addressing them and saying, hey, you're making it about the wrong things, guys. They're arguing of which man of God they wanted to follow in the church. They're arguing about what makes them feel good or what makes them look important. They're probably arguing about what worship style they like the most, you know? They're arguing about what teaching style they liked and if the chairs were comfortable and if the coffee tasted good enough. They're arguing about which man they wanted to follow. They're fighting back and forth, bickering with one another instead of making it about what God is doing in their midst. And so he goes on to say in verse 5, he's like, what then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you have believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. See, I think what Paul is trying to tell the church in Corinth And what I think Paul is trying to tell us here at Awaken Church is that it's really easy for us at times, if we give or if we serve or if we lead here at Awaken, it's really easy for us to begin to take credit for what God is doing here. Hear me when I say this. You have a part to play. You have a vital part to play here at Awaken. But God gets all the credit. God gets all the glory for what's going on here. Paul's like, hey, it's not about me. It's not about Apollos. And I think he would say, hey, awake at church. It's not about Nate. It's not about Pastor AJ. It's not about Pastor Devon. It's not about Pastor Dennis. It's not about you as a small group leader. It's not about you who teaches and awaken kids. See, we all must plant. We all must water. We have a part to play. And we must never take that for granted. But we should never take credit for it either. Because God's the one who's going to bring the harvest. It's God who's going to make this place grow. And so Paul goes on to say in verse 8, he says, He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. You've probably heard the phrase before, because we say it a lot here at Awaken, that the church isn't a building, it's the people. Well, verse 9 is where we get that phrase from. We don't just come to church, we are the church. God isn't just bound to these four walls. It's not like the Holy Spirit's like, it's about time Awakened Church got their act together and have a bigger space. Like, now I can finally work a little bit. No. 
God is with us. God's power and his presence lives in us, his people. The whole reason why we come to church is so that we can gather and grow with one another, and then we go out and we make a difference in our families and in our communities because we carry the presence and the power of God with us wherever we go. So with all of that set up, here's what Paul's getting at to becoming a homeowner. Verse 10, he says, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care of how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Verse 16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you. There's four things I see in this passage if we want to become a homeowner. And the first one is this, that we need to have the right foundation. To become a homeowner, it starts with the foundation, like Paul's saying in verse 10. He's like, hey, I've laid this foundation for you guys like an expert builder. I came, I built, I gave you Jesus, I laid this foundation for you, and it's on Jesus. This is what you need to know. In your life, the foundation of awakened church, the foundation of your marriage, raising kids, going to your workplace, going to school, the foundation of everything in your life should be laid on not just any foundation, but on the foundation of Jesus. Jesus has to be the foundation of everything we do. Now, I'm no handy man. I mean, I can hand the man some tools. I can tell a couple good jokes. I can uh, bring some lunch. Like, those are the things that I'm good at. So I'm no handyman. But let me tell you, I do know one thing about building, and it's that you need to have a good foundation. And the thing is that when you, when you drive up to your house or you drive up to a building, you never think about the foundation of the building. When you came in today, you didn't go, man, oh, look at Awakened Church. Like, they've got a foundation that's solid. Like, I love that foundation that that building is built on. You didn't do that today. You came up and you noticed everything else but the foundation, and, and the only time that you really ever notice the foundation is if you're on a skyscraper building and you're at the very top and maybe you're looking over the edge of the building and you're a little scared because you're feeling it sway a little bit in the wind. And so you're maybe a little nervous of that. Then you're probably then thinking about the foundation going, man, I really hope that they built this foundation like an expert builder. I know for me, I'm reminded of it every time I drive over the bridge into Cunningham. Uh, that's where I live now. And so uh, they built that new bridge. And so let me tell you, there's some times when I'm going home that the traffic is very thick, it's very heavy there, and so I'm kind of sitting on that bridge, and I can feel it bouncing a little bit, I can feel it swaying, and you better believe me that there are times that I think, man, I hope that the guy who laid this foundation was an expert builder, I hope that he didn't just skip out on foundation 101, or that, you know, this was the first foundation he ever laid, like, I hope he's laid a few foundations, and I hope this one is a solid foundation, because listen, I don't want to be driving over that bridge someday, and all of a sudden my car just uh, go down into the river and become a sinking boat, like, I want that foundation to be laid perfectly, and I'm here to tell you today, you need a firm foundation in Jesus, Matthew 7, uh, 24 tells us this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down and the streams rose 
And the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. Now, I want you to notice that Jesus isn't implying here that the storms might come into your life. He's like, no, storms are going to come into your life. Because in our lives, we're going to face challenges. We're going to go through trials. We're going to go through storms. And so we need to make sure that our lives, that our foundation is built right. We need to have our foundation built on Jesus. When you'll get down to it, we all build our lives on something. We all have a set of values that we live by. So here's the question for you today. Is your life on the rock or is it on the rocks? Because if it's built on Jesus, then it will survive any storm of this life. That's why we want to resource you to go through the Bible this year with us. If 2020 has taught us anything, it's that you have to have a firm foundation on Jesus because anything can happen. Look, I don't know what 2021 is going to bring us. I wish that I had a crystal ball to tell you what's going to happen in my life, in your life, and what's going to happen in the life of our church. I wish I had that crystal ball, but I don't. But I will tell you this. If you're reading God's word, if you're taking time to open up his book, to hear what he has to say to you, your foundation will be solid, and you won't freak out as much when trials and tribulations hit your life or hit our world because you're anchored to God's word. You know, we have these Bible bookmarks out in the lobby out here, and we would love for you to grab them. And on one side, we've got the Old Testament. On the other side, we have the New Testament. And here's the cool thing. You can choose to read the Bible at your own pace. You can, maybe last year, you read the entire uh, New Testament with us. And so you want to read the Old Testament. You've got that resource. Maybe you want to read the entire Bible. That one bookmark will help you read the entire Bible. We've, we even have a QR code that'll take you to a Bible app that'll help explain the passage and what's going on in there so that you can have more clarity as you read the Bible. We've gone to a lot of efforts to resource you as much as possible so that you can be reading God's word. Because listen to me, some of you came in crawling, spiritually speaking today, because you haven't heard a word from the Lord in a couple of weeks because you haven't cracked open God's word. And my goal for you this year is that you wouldn't crawl in spiritually anymore, that you wouldn't be like, God, I I need a word from you. I haven't heard anything. But you would come running and walking with the Lord because you've been with him every single day. That's my goal this year for us, is that we would be spiritually strong walking with the Lord, that our foundation and that our lives would be found on Jesus. So if you want to become a homeowner, make sure you have a foundation built on Jesus. The second thing is this. You got to build it the right way. Look again at verse 12. It says, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, Paul's kind of going through a list of materials here. It's almost like his checklist a little bit. So what materials are you building your home with? What materials are you building your life with? Because we know we're going to build it on Jesus. He's our foundation. But this next part, we can do it in different ways. This is where we start to frame our house a little bit. So how sturdy is your house? How sturdy is your life going to be? And so I want to illustrate this verse with a popular Disney nursery rhyme. You've probably heard of it before. It's uh, the story of the three little pigs. One of my favorites, one of our house's favorite stories, because I have three boys, and so I each call them each a pig, because literally they are pigs too, just so so you also get that. It's a very deep meaning with them. So... (laughs) But it's the three little pigs, and you probably remember the mom sends the pigs out, and they have to go build their own house. And so what does the first little pig do? He goes and he builds his house out of straw. He goes and he builds that house, and he builds it really quickly because he just wants to get out of the elements. 
But then what happens to him? The enemy comes in. It's the big bad wolf. And what does he say to him? He goes, let me in, pig. And what does the pig say? Not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. See, that's, that's how I say it to the boys. So it just kind of comes out naturally. <laughs> and so the big bad wolf doesn't like that answer. So what does he do? He huffs and he puffs and he puffs and he huffs and he blows that house down. And the pig barely escapes with his life. And he goes to the second little pig's house who's built out of sticks. The big bad wolf comes again and he asks the same question and he gets the same response. And he huffs and he puffs and he blows that house down and both little pigs barely escape with their lives. And then the third little pig comes, or the pigs go to the third little pig's house and his house, he's the expert builder, he's built his house out of bricks. And he's built his house brick by brick. And it took more time and it took more sweat and more tears and more sacrifice, but his house was built the right way. And so what happens when the big bad wolf comes and he asks the same question And he gets the same response. Well, he doesn't like it. And so he huffs and he puffs, but the house doesn't go down. Nothing and no one could tear this house down because it was built correctly. And I think that's what Paul's trying to get out in verse 12 here. Because I wonder, practically speaking, how many of us are building our homes out of straw? See, if you're building your home out of straw today, it's a cheap grace. It's a saving faith, but it's not a sustaining faith. It's a faith that'll get you out of the elements it's a faith that uh, might get you out of a, uh, an eternity apart from God, but it's just barely better than being in the storm because you spend your whole life not protecting others or making room for others. You're just trying to keep your house up. You're trying to keep your life together. And, this, and, that's, and, and that's a house of, of straw. But then there's the house of sticks. And it sounds better, but it's still just a seasonal faith because it's not passed down. Because what happens to wood after it's been out in the elements for a while? It starts to rot, it starts to decay, it starts to mold. And so this house of sticks is good for you, but it's not a generational type of faith. It's not about leaving a legacy. It's not about building your life the right way. It's just about saving you. And I would say that this is a faith that's a little selfish. And this is where most Christians and most churches stay, in this house of sticks. Because we say things like, well, this church meets my needs. We'll say, like, I'm a big fan of this worship style, or I'm a big fan of that preaching style, not so much that preaching style. I'm a big fan of the, of the kids' ministry over here. I'm a big fan of the chairs, or the coffee's really good, so I'm a big fan of that, or this new venue's really good, so I'm a big fan of that. And we say, I'm a big fan of this, and I'm a big fan of that. And we make church about us. But on a day of celebration, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, But I think it needs to be said, once you've given your life to Jesus and you join a church like this, it's for you. Listen to me when I say that. This church is for you. We're here for you when you're going through some tough times, when you're hurting, when you're going through a painful season in your life. We're here for you. We're even here for you when you celebrate, when there's great things happening in your life. We're here for you. But listen to me, it's no longer about you. See, once you give your life to Jesus, this church is for you, but it's no longer about you. The mission and the vision of this church is to awaken people who are far from Christ to new life in Christ. And that's the mission of your life as well. Once you receive Jesus into your life, you shouldn't just keep that to yourself. You should be letting that spill out into your families and into our communities, into the place that you work and where you go to school. You should make this available to as many people as you can. So let it not be said 
that Awakened Church and the people of Awakened Church built their life out of sticks. But let's let our church and, our, and us be known as a house of bricks. Because this is the healthy design. It's just brick by brick, faithful step after faithful step. Just sacrifice after sacrifice, building it the right way. With the proper material. So that when tragedy and loss and tough times come into our life, we know that it can stand because our foundation is on Jesus and because we've built it the right way. You want to know something is, I've never regretted a season of sacrifice in my life. I don't know about you, but I never served at a serve day here or an outreach at Awakened Church and thought, man, you know what? I really hated serving those people today. Like, I hated being around them. I'd rather be home taking a nap. No, I never said that. I never once thought, man, I gave sacrificially, and man, I wish I would have given a little bit less. No, that never happened. I never opened up God's Word and been like, man, God, I'm tired of hearing about how much you love me and how you have a plan and a purpose for my life. Like, it's just getting a little old. I've never done any of that. It's always come, not only with the blessing spiritually, but this feeling and this overflow of gratitude of what I am a part of. And I'm telling you, we got to build our house the right way, using the right materials. If you want to become a homeowner, here's the third thing. You need to design it the way that God's given you. And I love this because this is the best part and this is the most fun part. Because we get to design it the way that God has gifted us. This is where our personality shines through. Look again, verse 13. It says, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. I don't want to skip over this real quick, but this is basically what verse 13 is getting at. Is it's an important verse because it's reminding us we all have a part to play. And what we play is very vital because God has given us each gifts, talents, and abilities to further his kingdom. That's what verse 13 is all about. Verse 14, it says, If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now, don't get these verses confused. It's not saying that our works save us. No, that's not at all what this is saying. We're saved because of the grace of God, but it's saying that we're going to work because we have been saved. But what these set of verses are getting at and what they're trying to teach us, the main idea of this set of verses is teaching us is an ownership principle, that we all have to be an owner, that we have to own the purpose and the vision and the calling that God has given us. I wonder how many of you have ever noticed how how differently you treat something that you rent versus something that you own. You know, Jen and I, when we first were married back in 2007, we were married and we rented our very first condo in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and we were so excited about it. But let me tell you this, when something broke, we weren't too worried about it. We weren't stressed out about it. We didn't really care that much. Oh, the stove broke, call the landlord. Oh, the fridge broke, call the landlord. Oh, man, the AC units uh, cut out. Oh, this is a tough one. What are we going to do? Call the landlord. You know, like, oh, the hot tub's not working. Well, guess what? Call the landlord. Like, we were, like, on top of it. You better believe that I never once gave a second thought to the repairs or, oh, I wonder what repairman he's using or, man, I hope we're paying enough rent because I really hope his bottom line is okay. That never once crossed my mind. I I didn't care because I was renting it. That house wasn't mine. But fast forward to the house that Jen and I bought here in Clarksville at Exit 1, our very first house that I talked about earlier, you better believe that that minute that AC unit broke, we became experts <laughs> in AC. 
we were calling up our friends. Hey, what, what about this company? What do you think about this company? Hey, what do you think about that company? I don't know if they're any good. We were Googling it. We were pitting the companies against each other. Well, you know, this company said they're going to do this, but are you going to be able to do that? And we had a warranty on the AC units. We were like, well, if you have this warranty, is it going to avoid this warranty? And if we have that, are you going to be able to do that? Can you do it cheaper? We were asking all these questions. We were becoming experts. And what changed between those two houses? We became owners. That was my AC unit. That was now my house. I owned it. I cared about things that I didn't care about before because there's a difference between renting a house and owning a house. And the same is true for you and me when it comes to Awakened Church. Listen, this is your house. This is God's house. We've marked that as God's house. But this can be your home. This isn't a place for you to come and watch professional Christians do ministry. We need to stop renting our chairs, stop renting our parking spots, stop renting our favorite service time. We need to start taking some ownership here. So what that means is that at church, when things are, when we see a problem, when we see things that seem a little out of whack, we're not just pointing the finger going, well, whose problem is this? Why aren't they ever able to take my kids? We need a bigger space. Why is the coffee like this? Why, you know, we could have all these excuses of what problem it is. Listen, it's something that I learned early on. It's something I tell my boys too. Be part of the solution. It's not a problem. Be part of that solution. So there, my answer has always been the same. When people come up to me and they say, hey, so when are we going to start this ministry or do this outreach? My answer has always been the same. I don't know. When are you going to do it? When are we going to do this ministry? When are we going to do this outreach? Because, listen, some of us need to change our status from renting Awakened Church to owning Awakened Church. So we need to design it and decorate it the way that God has gifted us and the way that he's called us to do that. So we need to have a foundation. We need to build it the right way. We need to design it the way that God has asked us to design it. And here's the fourth thing that I see in the last thing. If you want to become a homeowner, you need to take care of it. Verse 16 tells us, Do you not know that you are God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells in you. If you want to be a homeowner, you need to take care of it. And it sounds so elementary, it sounds so easy, just take care of it. The Bible tells us several times that we need to take care of each other. We don't just watch our friends or our neighbors or our coworkers suffer and go through life and not do anything about it. We need to take action. We need to be ready to do life together, to live life with one another. Awakened Place is not just a place for you to come and to attend and then to leave. It's a place for us to come together, but it's a place for us to grow together as well. And while we're growing with one another, as we're encouraging each other, as we're doing life with one another, that's when we go out into our city and to Clarksville and to Tennessee and to our country and then to our world. This isn't something that we're just passing off. Let me tell you something, church. God did not give you seasonal influence. He he gave you ownership of this time and this place. Make no mistake about it. God has brought you to Clarksville, Tennessee for such a time as this. It's by no accident that you are here today. Every event in your life has culminated to this point for such a time as this, to make a difference for eternity and for his kingdom and for his glory. Listen, we need to take action. We need to care for this house because we all have a part to play. And you might be thinking, well, you know what? I don't know that I have a whole lot to play. I, I don't know that I can do much. You know, it's just me. I'm by myself here. What, what can I do? Well, I'm going to illustrate it in an interactive way. Now, I know when a pastor said this to me, I would always be like, 
he's going to call on me, and I'm going to have to go up on the stage, and there's going to be all these problems. Listen, I'm not calling anybody on stage. It's going to be super simple. So take a deep breath and relax a minute, okay? We're not, I'm not going to call you up. I'm not going to embarrass you. The only thing I'm going to do is ask you to clap, and I know we can do that because we've done that a few times here, so that's all, all right? So how can we play a part? How can we do this together? In fact, if anything, um, can I have the front row just start clapping? And you'll just keep clapping, okay? Just keep clapping. It might feel a little awkward, but it's okay. I'll tell you when to stop. Just keep going. Because for a room this size and people watching right now, this isn't making a whole lot of noise. It's kind of quiet. We could say that this is the sound a church makes when a few people have ownership. It's not really noticeable unless you're in this room. If we were outside, we'd be like, is there any noise happening over there? Like, I don't hear anything. And listen, if we let them do it long enough, we're like, hey, see you next week. Enjoy clapping all week. They would, we would come back the next week and their hands would be red and sore and they'd be tired. Because listen, here's the bigger principle here. You were never meant to do it alone. That's it. You guys keep clapping. Now, if I could get the first two rows over here to start clapping, you guys start clapping over there. And this is the sound of more people getting off the sidelines and they start serving and they start giving. Now, if I could get the first four rows over here to start clapping, you guys start clapping right now because this, what happens here is this is the sound of people attending a small group and this is people getting involved in outreaches. Now, if you're not clapping, start clapping now because this is a sound that's noticeable because as the rest of us start clapping, this is what happens. We become Paul. We become Apollos. And you begin to see God bring the harvest. You begin to see that you are now a homeowner. You're like, this is my city. This is my time. This is my purpose. I'm not going to sit on the sidelines anymore and watch people die separated from their Savior. I'm going to make a difference for Jesus. This is a sound that goes outside these four walls into our city, into our community that starts making a difference for Jesus. You can stop clapping. That's it. That, was, that wasn't painful, was it? <laughs> but listen, the world takes note of a church that lives like this. When you own this place, when this is your home, you're proud of it. Think about it. In your own house, you think, man, you got to come over and see my house. They built it the right way. They designed it just right. I've put my own personality in the house. I've taken care of it. you got to come check it out. And the same is true here at Awaken. This is your house. This is God's house. This can be your home. And you got to say, hey, guys, you got to come see what God's doing at Awakened Church. You can't be silent about what God's doing. And so when people ask, what's the challenge? What's the vision for the new year? It's this. And it's not just for this year. It's really for the rest of our lives that we would become homeowners, that we wouldn't just come to Awakened Church and just leave Jesus here and go on with our lives but that we would take Jesus wherever we go, into our communities, into our places of influence, and that we would together awaken as many people who are far from Christ to new life in Christ. Amen? Amen. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.